Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. We're always going to have some kind of storm, it seems like. And sometimes, boy, it's a gale. My life is right now. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 13. So brace up your minds. Be sober. Set your hope wholly and unchangeably on the grace that is coming to you when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is revealed. All this junk that we experience here is temporary. Yes, for, for our development and training. <laughs> ah. So I was going to have Joy start with sharing what she shared before worship about um, one of the pastors that we met with uh, Thursday night who's now our regional overseer in, in the vineyard was sharing about when the Lord called him into ministry, because he was in, in the marketplace and uh, doing really well, and uh, the Lord just, you know, messed everything up, as, as he will tend to do when, when he wants to change things in, in our lives. And, you know, when, when he shared that, that stuff about uh, for us as the people of God, we, we go through storms and we, we find that we can have peace in the storm. And, and for us, there, there always is a day after the storm when there's the calm is, is restored. Uh, but for so many people, all, they just they live in the storm day in, day out, and, and that's, that's just, it's all they know. And so as I have been uh, meditating on expanding the kingdom, uh, taking ground in, in the city, and, and seeing God's kingdom expand, um, I was looking at um, a passage that that is um, somewhat familiar. Uh, I hope I can find it here because I think I'm seeing that... No, that is the, that is the right passage. Um, Matthew 11, starting in verse 11. And I, I just... I added the, the whole paragraph because it kind of puts it in context. And it's... It's a really problematic uh, passage to translate into English from the Greek. And so I'm, I'm going to share with you some, some insights in, in this passage. Uh, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And, and that right there is, 
is like, huh? <laughs> that, that's where the, the difficulty begins. But then he goes on, from the days of John the Baptist until now, and, and I'm not exactly using English Standard Version for verse 12. I'm, I'm using the best interpretation from a Greek scholar who I personally know and trust because uh, I, I don't speak Greek. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And, and whenever Jesus ends uh, a, a little teaching with that phrase, he's saying, make sure you get this. Make, make sure you get what I'm saying here. So, Father, I, I, I just pray uh, that you would uh, give us your burden for seeing your kingdom expand uh, right here in our midst in Cheyenne. As we know, that, that is your desire. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to rewire our, our thinking and that that would translate into our living uh, to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So, Lord, give us revelation and understanding uh, of who we are and what our mission is in, in Jesus' name. So I guess before I get into the interpretation of that, I, I want to try to put it in context of what, what I've been talking about in terms of uh, creating a kingdom church or creating an apostolic community. That's another phraseology that I, I don't want to freak us out or put us off. <laughs> uh, because again, I'm, I'm going to give you the context for, for that Greek word apostle, apostolos, uh, because it it didn't just apply to the twelve. And that it's really interesting that Jesus chose to use that word for the twelve rather than some Old Testament Jewish word like Levites or priests or rabbis or, or something. But he, he used that word because of the context that it had in the Roman Empire. That when Rome would send, would desire to establish a Roman colony somewhere in, in some barbaric land, as, as they would have described it, uh, they would send out ships, unless it was someplace they could get to overland, but they, they would send out lots of people. And they would send armies, and, and they would send 
some of their religious people and they, they would send uh, people who uh, were gifted in, in making different things that were necessary. Um, and, and they were all called apostles, not just the head of the army, uh, because they, they were being sent, they were the sent ones, who were being sent to establish a culture in the midst of a different culture. And, and that, was, that was the context of, of that term that, that Jesus was using. And it, it's so appropriate to the Twelve because that, that was going to be their mission for, for the rest of their lives. Uh, it, it was going to be to establish this kingdom culture, kingdom of heaven culture, in the midst of the Roman culture, or in the midst of the Jewish culture, or in, in the midst of uh, whatever culture they found themselves in. You know, initially that was basically Jerusalem and, and the surrounding area, but it, it went out into the known world in, in just the first century. So um, <clears throat> that, that's the context of this. Okay. A people being sent out to establish a foreign culture <laughs> in the midst of another culture. And, you know, for us living in America right now, today, this, this has greater context than it has at any time in our nation's history or in our lives. Because now we, we can pretty clearly see that we are indeed trying to bring a culture that's very different in the midst of 21st century American culture. Uh, that, uh, you know, our, our culture is, is no longer, uh, can no longer, I, I guess, be, be confused with <laughs> very easily a, a kingdom culture. So, so we, we truly are bringing in something that is foreign and, and different in, in the midst of what exists in, in the 21st century. So it's, it's in that context, which is, is a, a pretty similar context to when Jesus actually spoke these words, uh, that I want us to understand the meaning primarily of, of verse 12 here, which says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. This really speaks something to us if, if we want to be a people who are used to, to take ground, to, to see the kingdom expand into where it now isn't. Okay? So, I'm, I'm just going to read some of this to you. Because it's, it's the best explanation of, of what 
Jesus is really saying here in Matthew 11. The word translated forcefully advancing is biazo, which means to press violently or to force one's way into. A form of the word is used in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, to describe the sound of the violent wind. This is difficult language to translate. We often associate the kingdom of Jesus with love, peace, and mercy, not aggressiveness or force. Jesus is teaching us that there is an aggressive side to the kingdom of God. Kingdom living involves battles and engagements with the enemy. It marches on forcefully because there is power behind it. While the kingdom of God is about love, peace, and mercy, it is also about aggressiveness and forcefulness. For Christ had to die a violent death in order to bring us peace. Nothing comes without cost in the kingdom of God. Blessings and fruitfulness in the kingdom of God are generally preceded by violent battles. Christianity is not for the timid of heart, but for those who are prepared and ready to wage war against the forces of darkness. Isn't that good? The translation of forceful men lay hold of it reinforces the first part of the translation. The word translated forceful is biatis. It is a noun form of the word biazo, the same word translated forcefully advancing. The translation lay hold of it is from harpezo, which is often translated snatch away or take by force, as in Matthew thirteen nineteen and John six fifteen. Paul also uses the term in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 of the church being caught up to meet the Lord at his second coming. Thus, the word has a sense of urgency about it. Jesus is teaching us that the kingdom of God is not for the weak or faint of heart. The kingdom is forcefully advancing, and those who embrace the kingdom must be forceful people who seize it with all their might. Rest assured, our enemy is aggressive in his dark kingdom. He moves relentlessly, roaming about, seeking whom he may devour and destroy. We should be just as aggressive for the kingdom of heaven. So... <clears throat> It's, it's interesting what Jesus says in, in verse 11 of that passage in Matthew 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. See, it was with John 
that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God began on, on the earth. He was the forerunner to Jesus, the one who, who would, would actually come and demonstrate the kingdom. But all the law and the prophets prophesied until John. And he was the culmination of all of the Old Testament prophets. He, he was, I mean, all those Old Testament prophets, they spoke toward Jesus, but from, from far off. John was the one who got to speak of Jesus with Jesus right there. And actually having Jesus come. And the kingdom began with John, and people were forcing their way into it because they were responding to his message of, of repentance. Because Judaism had, had become a, a cold form of religion because God had not spoken for 400 years. And the, the teachers had, had just, they had gotten so off track. And it, it was, as Jesus would say, they, they were making it virtually impossible for people to find God because of all the minutiae of rules and regulations that they were just heaping upon people. And, and John was saying, no, it's, it's, it's not about how many of, of these little rules and regulations you can keep every day, and it's, it's about the condition of your heart. And so people were coming to him, repenting and, and being baptized, and, and, and they, were, they were coming into the kingdom even before Jesus. And that, that's what Jesus is saying here in, in verses 11 and 12. But given our understanding of, of what Jesus is saying in verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. That, that verse is as true today as it was the day Jesus spoke those words. From the days of John the Baptist until today, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men and women lay hold of it. Yeah. Entering into the kingdom of heaven is, is not a passive choice. Expanding the kingdom of heaven does not happen passively or, or by accident. Something that, that just happens as, as we go about our, our normal day, daily routine. I, I mean, yeah, God, God in his mercy <laughs> can sometimes get our attention and and actually bring a, 
a, a sliver glimpse of, of light of, of his kingdom around us when we happen to hear him and, and bring his kingdom to someone who, who is in front of us. But I, I think what, what Jesus is saying in, in this verse and, and through the interpretation that, that I just gave you is that the kingdom of heaven is, is going to advance when, when it becomes a really high priority for us. When, when we become engaged with the advancement of it. In other words, it's, it's the opposite of passivity. If, if we want to see the kingdom of God advance in, in Cheyenne, and, and we do, that's, that's what we want to see happen. We want to see the kingdom of darkness lose ground, and, and we want to see the kingdom of heaven expand and, and gain ground right, right here among us, maybe right out there in those apartment buildings and in the neighborhood over here. And that will happen as, as we become engaged with the kingdom. But then we, we also have to recognize that Jesus ushered in the kingdom and expanding it is, is his work. It's, it's not something that we can do outside of his direction and his empowering. Because if, if, if we just go out and, and try to do it, uh, it it's, it's going to be miserable. <laughs> we, it's, it's, it's like those, uh, John Paul Jackson wrote uh, a book a few years ago, Needless Casualties of War, about those who... Um, enter into high-level spiritual warfare without calling and, and, and without uh, <laughs> the, the necessary covering uh, of God and, and, and become uh, really feed for the kingdom of darkness. So that, that's not the way. <laughs> so what, what is the way... <laughs> Well, Jesus really gives us the key in, in John chapter 15. This is the reality is we, we will get farther faster by just drawing near to the heart of God and abiding, dwelling, living in his presence than anything else that, that we could possibly do. And in John 15, verse 5, Jesus lays it out. I'm, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And, and we can apply that verse directly to the, the idea of seeing the kingdom of God advance. Without him, <laughs> without this abiding, without it coming out of relationship and out of his directing and empowering, 
we, we can't do anything. And, and so there's, there's more there in John chapter 15. And it's, it's from where we get the idea of being in the world but not of the world. That's, that really comes from John chapter 15. It isn't spoken exactly in, in those words, but you'll see that this is where that comes from. And we'll skip down to verse 19 in John 15, where Jesus says, If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. And, and you've got to appreciate this about Jesus. <laughs> there, he, he made no false advertising about what it was going to be like to be his follower. <laughs> now, granted, the disciples and, and beyond couldn't really hear a lot of what he was saying, but he was clearly saying it. <laughs> that if you follow me, you're not going to be popular in the world. In fact, wait till you see what they do to me because they're actually going to do that to some of you. And, and we know that continues up to today. Where it's, I mean, it, it's happening today. And it happened yesterday. And so, you know, for, for us... We, we obviously have a lot more history to look at and, and things are, are more clear to us. But still, uh, we, we have to live with the right values if we're going to see the kingdom of God expand in Cheyenne. And, and we all live with certain values and at certain times, those values come into conflict. And it's, it's in those times that we learn what our own overriding values are. For example, if, if you're having a conversation with, with someone who, who you know, and the conversation comes to a place where, where you have the opportunity to, to speak some, some kingdom of heaven truth to, to this person. And, and you, you know that, that this person probably is not going to agree and, and may very well not like what 
you're about to say. <laughs> uh, internally, you're having a conflict of values because you, you, you want to maintain relationship with this person. That's, that's a value. You, you want to be liked by this person. That, that is another value. You, you, you don't want to be rejected by this person. Uh, that's another value. Uh, and in fact, uh, what happens next reveals your overriding value. Uh, is, is your highest value, you, you want to see the truth of the kingdom spoken, released in, into this person's life who, who may not even have another possible way of, of hearing that truth. Is, is that going to be your highest value? Or is being afraid to be rejected because you're you're going to say something that that is countercultural and, and and quite possibly unpopular and 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 could possibly end up with you being judged as being intolerant or judgmental or unloving or you know fill in the blank uh, so so the thing is <clears throat> this this is where the importance of abiding is is played out. Uh, when when we truly are abiding in in the Lord, we're we're dwelling in Him. We're we're living in Him, abiding in Him. Uh, that relationship of our heart to His heart. It. It, it gains importance over time. And, and we, we don't want to uh, do anything that, that would harm that relationship because it's, it's become overriding. <laughs> it's, it's become what it's supposed to be. So that the the possibility of being rejected by this other friend or acquaintance becomes much lower because of our abiding and and the desire to please the one in in whom we're abiding becomes the more important thing, and that's that's an important part of, I think, what Jesus is talking about here in, in the first part of John 5, or John 15. So, <clears throat> um, I, I think we get that, okay? Uh, and it's, it's that thing that spending time in the presence of God changes our values, because our, our values are, are transformed by being in his presence. And as, as our life is transformed from the inside out by being in his presence. And, 
And it's, it's through that that we're empowered to, to see the kingdom expand. And, and we're, we're really empowered to see the kingdom come in, in more powerful ways. Through, through healing and deliverance and, you know, the, the demonstrations that Jesus just continually did. And, and Jesus, I mean, he, he went on even much further with this in, in John 17. I, I don't think I'm going to read you all that, but you can read more about being in the world but not of the world and Jesus warning about how the world is, is going to treat us as his followers in, in John 17. But I, I wanted us to, um, <clears throat> to consider something that Rob talked about last week. Because uh, when, when he talked about Elijah and Elisha and the mantle, and and Jesus mantle uh, I had never seen it in in that light before <laughs> and and that was that was significant to me anyway uh, we we find the story of Elijah and Elisha uh, in second Kings one and two and again I'm not going to get into the text, but I'll, I'll just give you the real quick version that uh, Elijah was was going to be taken to heaven, and and Elisha had been chosen to be his successor, and Elisha knew that he had to see Elijah ascend into heaven in order for that mantle to fall upon him. And, and so he, he followed Elijah on this trek <laughs> that was many, many miles and, and difficult. And Elijah encouraged him to stay behind a number of times to, to give him an out. But, but Elisha, he, he wanted that mantle. In fact, we find at the end that he, he wanted a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah. And, and because Elisha followed Elijah through that whole trek and, and he was there and he witnessed Elijah being taken up into heaven, he, he got it. And, and that was demonstrated in Second uh, Kings chapter 2. But that being prophetic of what would happen between Jesus and, and the church, I, I had not seen until Rob mentioned it. And, and we, we know that uh, the Twelve and, and many others spent time with Jesus after the resurrection and and the twelve were, were with him uh, when Jesus was finally taken up to heaven, and that was the end of his post-resurrection ministry days on, on the earth directly to 
the disciples. Uh, but Jesus told them to go into Jerusalem and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit that, that would come. And, and that was, it was his mantle. And, and we know on, on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come in Acts chapter 2, that, that sound like a mighty rushing wind came into that room where the 12 and 100, well, the 11 and uh, 109 more were assembled because there was 120. And the fire of the Spirit landed on every one of them. And, and Rob brought out something else that was, that was really important. And, and see, <clears throat> Elisha receiving a double portion of Elijah's spirit well, Jesus prophesied that we, his followers, would do what he did and even greater things. Because he would go back to the Father and send the Holy Spirit. And, and it was in Acts chapter 2 that we could say that mantle, but it, it, it was the Holy Spirit that fell on the church, empowering the 120 to do what Jesus did and, and greater things. But, you know, Rob asked an important question. If the Holy Spirit fell on 120, why do we only read about the great miracles being done by just a few and not the whole 120? You know, we, we read in the book of Acts about Paul. We read about Peter and John. We read about Stephen who, who was full of the Holy Spirit. And, and there, there was Philip and, and uh, Barnabas. Uh, but we don't have anywhere near 120. Hmm. So what happened to the others? Well, we, we don't know. <laughs> I mean, we, we don't know exactly what, what happened to him. But I, I just, I go back to Matthew eleven twelve From the days of John the Baptist and from the days of Jesus' resurrection until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men and women lay hold of it. Do you, do you think some of them were too passive 
to forcefully advance the kingdom? I, I think probably. Even though they were there in, in the room, when, when the sound of a rushing mighty wind came through and they all saw with their physical eyes the fire of the Holy Spirit light upon everyone. See, I, I, I think it, it, it comes down to our response. And in the kingdom of heaven, it always does. Because the kingdom of heaven always, it, it works by invitation. It advances forcefully, but it advances forcefully through those who said yes to the invitation <laughs> and were just obedient and operated in the power that was available. So, you know, the, the invitation is, is still open. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's open for you, it's open for me. <laughs> and and we, we can see the kingdom of God advance. And, you know, we're, we're kind of being set up <laughs> in in our country uh for a a greater expansion of the kingdom because there's there's a delineation <laughs> between the two kingdoms that's so much more clear now than than it has been and and that that will actually work to our advantage in in trying to advance the kingdom because it it's it's really clear these days whether you're in or out <laughs> which which kingdom are you in so let me close with uh another invitation <laughs> that that Jesus gave also in Matthew 11 <clears throat> starting in verse 27 he says all things have been committed to me by my father no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then the invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
So, that's another picture of abiding. And, you know, I, I just heard this recently, and, and I, I can't even remember where, where I heard this, but it was about Jesus and, and being a carpenter. And uh, some believe that Jesus specialized in, in making yokes. And, and that uh, <clears throat> the story goes that, that he made the best yokes of, of anybody. I mean, because the, they, they the animals would be able to work longer and harder with his yokes because they, they didn't get sore around the neck and, and they, they, they were just that good. And, and so, you know, it, 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 it sounds really plausible to me that Jesus the carpenter, when he's saying, making this statement, that, that it's almost like a pun you know, he, he's saying, you know, take, take one of my yokes upon you. <laughs> because you all know, <laughs> I, I make the best ones. <laughs> and uh, and it, it'll be easy. And, and it, it won't hurt. And because uh, it'll, it'll be just right. Because, that, you know, I'm famous for that. Can, can you imagine that? I can't. I, I mean, I, I just laughed as I thought about that. But that, that's, that's his invitation to us to, to take, let him make a yoke that's, that's made just for you, just for me. And, and those yokes, they, they were double. <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's like that picture from Song of Solomon. Who is this coming out of the wilderness, leaning on their beloved? And, and so we're, we're just walking with the Lord. And we, we have his yoke. And he's just showing us what we need to do. So, take my yoke on you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, thank you for that invitation. Uh, help us to take you up on it. We, we desire your yoke. We desire to learn from you. To walk with you. To abide with you. And <clears throat> we just, we agree in prayer right now. Let your kingdom come. In Cheyenne. Let, let your will be done. 
in our hearts, our lives, our families, in, in this city. Lord, use us to expand your kingdom for your glory. Amen.